Well, good afternoon, everyone. We are happy, very happy. You know why? Because we're with you today, right here on New Hope Radio, 1590 AM dial, 92.7 FM. That's a good station, too. NewHopeCC.TV, YouTube, Facebook, WAIV.net. I mean, come on, all these ways to get the program. That's pretty good. So we're glad that you're with us today, and a special thank you to all of you Hope Clubbers to those that support us by giving $3 a week, every week, and you're in the Hope Club, you're getting your devotionals, you're getting your Tuesday challenge, can I help you to be more Christ-like, that's what it's about, becoming Christ-like. If you're not in the Hope Club, I'll tell you what, we'll help you by sending you devotionals every week, and you can help us by supporting New Hope Radio. With $3 a week, not a bad deal. Not a bad deal at all. Okay, today we're going to begin a brand new series. I like this series. You know why? It's about Jesus. <laughs> I like all the things that are about Jesus. Best topic there is. The more you know Him, the more you love Him, the more you love Him, the more you trust Him. The more you trust Him, the more you walk with Him. The more you walk with Him, the more you become like Him. That's the goal. That is what it's about. It's about becoming like Christ. That's what it's about. And we want to help you to become just like the Lord Jesus. So we got a brand new series today. It's entitled, Stories Jesus Told. And we're going to take a look at some of the great stories that he told. And we know his stories as parables. A parable. It's a story that could happen. But it also has a spiritual significance to it as well. Okay? And Jesus, he did very good with these parables. That's why he's, he's, he's the master teacher. He really is. He is the master communicator. He always found a way to get his people to understand what he was saying, to get his audience to say, oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. He knew how to get his point across. He knew that even the hardest of hearts he could reach. And boy, he did. Now, more often than once, when he wanted to respond or asked to respond to a question, you know what he would do? He would tell a story. He wouldn't say, well, here's the answer. He would tell a story. And try to get his hearers to find the answer in the story. Always looking for that aha moment. Okay? That's what it was about. And, you know, these stories, they were much more than stories. To say that they were stories would really limit them to mere what? Just maybe entertainment or maybe human knowledge. Oh, but they were far beyond that. Far beyond that. You know what they were? They were an illustration of divine wisdom. See, when Jesus spoke, and we have to remember this, he spoke from God. Jesus spoke from God. And I know you're thinking, I know that. Yeah, but we don't listen. We don't listen to Jesus as if he's speaking from God. Okay? And that's what we need to do. We need to listen to the Lord, because when you listen to the Lord, you're hearing God speak. All right? Now, the first story or the first parable that we have 
in our series is about a man who threw a big dinner party. So obviously he was very well off, very wealthy, and very generous. Okay? Well off, wealthy, and generous. And what Jesus is doing, he's going to tell a story and say, you know what? This is what my father is like. My dad in heaven. He's like this guy in the story. Okay? So before we get into the story, let me give you a little background. Jesus told this story because he wanted to teach something about his father, about his father's kingdom, and about the generosity of his father. And what better illustration than something that all people could identify with? A big dinner. We can all identify with a big dinner. And we do that today, don't we? Thanksgiving, just had Easter, Christmas, anniversaries, birthdays, sometimes for no reason at all. We like big dinners, right? So here's a little background to Jesus telling the story. He was present inside the house of a Pharisee. Pharisee invited him over. There were other lawyers and Pharisees in the house too. And there was a man there who was suffering from an affliction. And he had a swelling of a tumor. And Jesus asked the crowd in the house if it was lawful to heal on the Sabbath. But no one answered. They're like, oh, I don't know what to say. So Jesus healed them and he sent them away. That was it. He then asked if they would do that for an ox or for a donkey. Would you guys heal an animal that was hurting? Something else was going on inside the house. The guests were jockeying for position. Each wanted a place of honor at the banquet table. When you throw a big dinner, do you have assigned seating? Or does anybody sit like wherever they want? In those days, they had assigned seating. And the closer you were to the host, the higher honor was basically bestowed upon you. Okay? When we have holiday dinners at my house, I have assigned seating. Because I think it's uncomfortable for people to wonder, oh, where should I sit? Over here, over there? So I say, you sit here, you sit there, you sit there, you sit there. It works out very well, and people are matched up the way they should be. So I don't know if you do that, but I do that, and too bad. <laughs> okay? All right. So then Jesus begins to get serious. And he started to tell a story. He said, when you give a luncheon, and don't always invite people that can invite you back. Sometimes it's good to invite people that cannot invite you back. Just be kind and just be generous, okay? So one of the Pharisees, he gave this kind of a smug reply. That's what I call it, a smug reply. And it's in verse 15. We're in Luke chapter 14. And he said, and it says, When one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, Oh, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. You know, like, I think he's kind of like showing off like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm at this dinner party, but let me tell you something. I'm going to be at God's table. I'm going to be blessed. I'll be at the table of God. Kind of 
strutting his stuff a little bit, maybe. That's what I think. So now we have the Lord's reply to that man's remark in the form of a story. Jesus said to him, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. Now he's going to tell a story with three categories of people in mind. People that are ready, people that are not ready, and people that think they're ready. They're ready, they're not ready, or they think that they're ready. And it's a story about meeting God. There are those that think they're ready to meet God. There are those that, nah, I'm not ready. And then there are those, they're ready. They are ready as Eddie to go. So let's pick it up in verse 16. A man was giving a big dinner party, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent a slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, everything is now ready. You know, it's God's habit to have all things ready for his guests. He's never unprepared, ill-equipped, or behind in anything. Kind of like the song says, he makes all things beautiful in his time. So, the whole meal was prepared. Everything was ready. And he sent out the servants to summon the guests. Verse 17. And at the dinner hour, he sent the slaves to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Uh Uh-oh. They all began to make excuses. They all began to say, well, you know what? I'm not really ready yet. That's the sadness. That's the sadness to verse 18. And they begin to make excuses, each one of them. The first one said, I bought a piece of land. I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Now, a little more cultural background. In Palestine, when a man made a feast, the day was announced long beforehand, you know, like sending out reservations. But then, on the day of the feast, the the servants went out and said, okay, now it's time to come. So those that were invited, the day should have been reserved. And the only thing they didn't know was exactly what time to be there. But they should have been ready. That's the key. They should have been ready. Okay? And they weren't ready. Or if they're ready, they found reasons not to go. You know, I like what the old Scottish preacher Alexander McLaren said. He said, small things, transitory things, material things. Oh, everybody grasps at them. And the number of graspers steadily decreases as you go up the scale in preciousness. Until, when you reach the highest of all, there are the fewest that want them. 
And he wraps it up by saying, there are a hundred who think it's right when extended in the pursuit after wealth that perishes. People are going after the invaluable thing rather than the valuable. That's what he's saying. Because the invaluable thing is a temporal thing. How about this? Picture a land of barbarous people who place no value on the gold that's found in abundance in their country, and they think the glass beads are far more expensive and far more valuable. Then, think of the treasure that God offers, the riches of Christ. And yet, people in the world value the gold twice as much. So here we have in this parable, they all began to make excuse. I call this the insanity of humanity. <laughs> yeah, the insanity of humanity is when people make excuses as to why they don't want the things that God wants to give them. And as different as these people are, they all share something in common. They suffered from occupation with the present, the interest of the day, rather than the eternal things that they could have. So they began to make excuses. Now the first man, he appears to be a shade politer than the other two. Because what did he say? Well, he said, I bought some land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. This is something that I really need to do. Then in verse 19, another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused. So this guy didn't say that he had a need, but this was something that he chose to do. He doesn't say it's a necessity and his responsibility, like the first one did. The first one said, no, this is a necessity. I'm sorry, I have to do this. The second guy just said, no, man, I'm going. I bought a new car, I'm going and drive it. That's all. And then the, in verse 20, the third man, he feels that his excuse is so good, he doesn't have any politeness at all. Another one said, I've married a wife. For that reason, I cannot come. I can't come. I got a wife. You know what I say? Bring her to the dinner. <laughs> Who said it was a men-only dinner? You can bring your wife to the dinner. She would have liked it. So you see what's happening? This guy has a, a self-righteous tone about him. And you have to be careful. Because the more self-righteous an individual is, the less, uh-oh, politeness they possess. Wow, did I say that? The more self-righteous an individual is, the less politeness they possess. Who are polite people? People that have humility. Who are the not polite people? The people that are self-righteous. Hey, this is me. This is what I'm doing. They have their own righteousness about them, but they lack politeness. Where does it say Self-righteousness is a replacement for politeness. I never read that. 
Never saw that at all. So I want you to note where the necessities came from. They didn't come from God. It wasn't God saying, you know what? You got these things in your life. You better go do them. No, they came from man. What came from God was, come to my dinner. Come to my dinner. Everything is ready. By the way, you said you would. Now that it's ready, come. But you see, these guys, they're like, no. Their, their, their refusal didn't come from God. It came from themselves. The land wasn't going anywhere. You know, it wasn't like, well, you know, I, I, I need to go and see this land. It's going to be there later. It's going to be there tonight. It'll be there tomorrow. Land doesn't disappear. Unless you're on, on the coast in California, it might fall into the ocean. But I don't think that was happening. The deal for the oxen, that was complete. He, he didn't have to prove anything. He, he bought them. They were his. Put them in the barn, right? Then tomorrow, go out and see how they do with the plow. That's okay. And the guy with the wife, you know what? Bring her. Bring her to the dinner. She'd probably say, I'd like to go to a dinner. Yeah. She probably, when the guy, when, when the guy got home and said, you know, I, we, we got invited to a dinner, but I didn't go because I married. She probably would have whacked him in the head and said, you, what, I, we could have gone together. What, what's wrong with you? Why didn't we? <laughs> Listen, man. Always take your wife to dinner when the opportunity arises. <laughs> Good lesson on life, okay? I don't think she'd ever refuse. All right? So, you see what these guys are doing? They're masking their true duty under the dress of worldly desire. That's what they're doing. They're masking true duty fulfilling their obligation to the dinner because they said they would go earlier. That's why the servant came to the house. They're masking it with worldly desire. Oh, how many times do the desires of the world get in the way of the will of God? How many? More than we would like to think. Wouldn't you agree? You know, the Apostle Paul said, and with ref in Second Corinthians chapter four verse four, that Satan blinds the minds of those who don't believe. There's a veil over their mind, so they live in unaccountability. So those that are not Christian and they don't believe, Satan keeps them blind. But you know we have periods of our, of our own blindness, where we don't see the value of what God is inviting us to, or telling us to do. We don't see the value sometimes in the wisdom of God. You know, we're in this shutdown. Can't get to church. I hope that through all of this, we see the value of gathering together as God's people on the Lord's Day. Because it's so easy, and I know many, many in every church have become indifferent, and passive to gathering together on Sunday. And it's very easy for them to skip church on Sunday. It's so easy. You know why? They become complacent. And now that it's taken away, I'm hoping that it's creating a, uh, a fervor 
a zealousness to get back to being together in worship, to being together in fellowship and studying the scriptures. I hope we're, we're, we're not veiling our true duty with worldly desires. Let those worldly desires, you know what, they don't, they, they don't, they pale in the shadow of the will of God. They really do. What are excuses? They refer to legitimate things, but they're still excuses nonetheless. The ex- you know, checking out the oxen doesn't mean that was unimportant. It just could have been done later. Going to see the land, that doesn't mean you don't do it. Just don't let it get in the way of your obligation. Marrying a wife, bring her. Would have been more points, more feathers in your cap. Bring it, bring it to the dinner of a nobleman? Are you kidding? Of course you want to bring it to the dinner of a nobleman. One person said an excuse is a juggling act of unbalanced priorities. <laughs> I like that. Excuses stop people from becoming Christians. They stop people from getting serious with God. And they stop people from serving God, here it comes, faithfully. Excuses are not flimsy. They're real. But they are devastating. Oh, yeah. They'll take you down. They'll destroy you. Another principle, the people that you love, that you use as an excuse for not going on with God, will never and can never love you as much as God loves you. No one. God's love is infinite. It's immeasurable, right? Higher than high, lower than low, deeper than deep, and wider than wide. That's God's love. His love for us cannot be measured. The slave came back and reported this to the master. The head of the household became angry. He said to the slave, Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in all the poor and the crippled and the the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Master, we did it. Still got some room. Got more empty seats. He said, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel everybody to come in. Now here's God's heart that my house may be filled. See, you know what Jesus is telling these people in the house? He's telling them, you were invited first. You're the Jews. You're God's people. And you're you're all making excuses not to go on with God. So you know what God's doing? He's calling the Gentiles. He's calling those that have been rejected. He's calling those that you didn't want around you. God wants them around him. Oh, we have to be so careful of the people that we don't want around us. You know why? God wants them around him. Oh, he does. He'll take them. There might be people around you and you're like, I don't want them around me. They're a pain. 
They don't smell right. They don't run in the circles that I run in. You know what God would say? I'll take them. I'll take them. Make them come to my house. Oh, and by the way, you're not going to get in. But they're going to get in. See, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world. He died for the people you like. He died for the people you don't like. He died for the people at work that you get along with, and he died for the people at work that you don't get along with. There's no one excluded. There's no one left out. None. That's the judgment that he bore was for all people. No one's left out. That's the grace of God. God's grace. The grace of God has appeared to what? All men. All people. All people are invited into the big dinner. That's heaven. Heaven's a big dinner. It's a joyous time. It's a great time. And everybody's invited. And I'm going to tell you, don't, even while you're here on the earth, don't make excuses as to why you're not getting serious with God. Because what are those excuses? You know what they are? They're devastating. That's all. They will devastate you. Excuses are unbalanced priorities. That's all they are. They're unbalanced. Yes, they're priorities. They're things that you need to do, but they're not balanced. When you compare them to what God has for you, you know, you can go to McDonald's or you can go to Capriccio's. You can go to Taco Bell or you can go to a high-end restaurant. Where do you think you'd rather go? Would you rather go to the place where you're going to get the best or would you rather go to the place where you're going to get it's not the best nutrition you know what they say you're not going to look like a million bucks if you eat from the dollar menu <laughs> so that's it this is great the grace of God Jesus telling stories about his father the generosity the love the compassion the invitation of the father to the world to come to his house I hope you've accepted that invitation. If you have, here's what you need to do. Live like it. Live like someone that has accepted God's invitation. Thanks for coming along today. Don't forget, join the Hope Club. Go to newhopecc.tv. Click donate or give, whatever it says. Fill out the info. Put your email. Commit $3 a week, and we'll send you devotionals every day. I'll see you tomorrow for another story.